Hi, this is Justin. Just letting you know that this episode was actually recorded a number of weeks ago when the lockdown for the pandemic was starting to take place. So we talk about some stuff that is not relevant anymore, but I've left it in for historical accuracy. Please enjoy. Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, my name's Justin The Clue, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all the new DVD and Blu-ray releases. And, Mark, wait, are, are you still open? Uh, we are still open, Justin. Can you, uh, can you believe... Why are you not here right now? <laughs> it's a very small area of the store that's open. Can you explain to people what's going on? So, yeah, we are doing this podcast remotely for the first time ever. This is a new experiment here, I guess. I am actually still at the store, um, although by the time this, you're listening to this, who knows where we'll be at. We're playing it day by day. Mm. Um, but yeah, as of right now, um, we, we have kept the store open, um, but it's only on a grab-and-go basis. So the cash registers are open, but every other section of the store is blocked off right now by uh, caution tape mm-hmm. that we have from like <laughs> some Halloween party, I think, or something like that. <laughs> We've got like literal like police caution tape like up around everywhere. Um, and yeah, so people, the best thing we're encouraging people to call ahead or email us. We have an email account set up so that we can put stuff aside. And it's basically people just come in, grab it and go. We're only limiting two customers in the store at once. Uh, we're all wearing gloves here. We're all sat, like spraying down the surfaces constantly. Uh, we're, we've left the drop box open outside all day, 24 hours. So people can just drop things off, not even have to come in if they don't want to. Um, but yeah, and we have shortened the hours too. Usually we're obviously open till midnight every night, but right now we're doing 10 a.m. till 9 p.m. Although again, by the time you actually hear this, that could be shorter. We might condense those hours even more. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy, man. There are so many people, especially 50 plus people that have no idea that like really anything's going on right now. I was shocked to hear that. But then when I thought about it, the reason that we hear a lot of like older people go, uh, this is nothing. It's probably because this has never happened in their lifetime. It's crazy, though, because they're like at the most risk. Right. And they're the ones that are like constantly out and about, like no gloves on. Like they're not using like we have hand sanitizer up for people. They're not touching it. Like they're just like so oblivious to this whole thing and then yeah we get people just walking in i mean we've had customers even like get pissy with us basically for the fact that they can't browse but what's crazy about that is that like everywhere else is closed i know and that's that's what i tell them i'm like you realize there is a pandemic going on right now and like you did walk here today right like you've seen that nothing else in this area is actually open right now (laughs) so well because they couldn't get angry at anybody else they can get angry at you exactly well they'll come in and they'll be like well, I want to browse. And we're like, well, sorry, just tell us what you want. We can go grab it. Well, I don't know what I want. Like the whole point of me coming here is to browse. I'm like, well, times have changed, people. Yeah, <laughs> you got to live with it now. <laughs> the owner is very concerned and stuff about even staying open since so many places are closing. And we do understand the the danger of it, the risk. We do weigh it. It's constantly on our minds. We're not just staying open for profit. The thing is, we do have a lot of people that depend on these paychecks and we are a small business. So we're trying to just make it through. And this is like, as it is for a lot of small businesses right now, really damaging. And there's like a bigger picture here that I think, you know, as we're seeing a lot of people are out of work and a lot of people are going to be screwed for a long time after this. So we're, we're operating, but we're doing so with like, you know, a heavy conscience and we are playing it day by day. So 
we're basically here for you, but we don't want to like, we're not encouraging large crowds or anything. We're definitely trying to take this threat seriously too. So anyways, just to put a cap on that, that's kind of how we're operating right now. What are you talking about? Once they hear all these new releases that are coming out, they're going to race to Bay Street Video. Exactly, right? I mean, we are still getting shipments here and we're calling people about special orders and we're not pressuring anybody to come down, obviously, but a lot of people are still coming down. I wonder, so, like, I mean, is there going to be a point where they stop? I guess mail is an essential service, like banks and it is, yeah, hospitals, so do, that will never technically end, right? And that's the thing. We do rent mailboxes here, so we are getting mail delivered. Um, so even if we had to close the store, we would have to keep, obviously, the hallway over the mailbox system running. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it gets really bad, it might just get to a situation where either myself and then the general manager are just trading off and it's just us working like four to six hours a day just to service the few people that are still renting. But mm-hmm. honestly, like today is like a Saturday right now and we are really busy, surprisingly, considering all things considered. You're the only game in town now. There's nothing and else. We literally are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I source cinema, I think is still going strong. So Wild. You know, power to them. Too. I know power to them too. Um, and they're, you know, I think taking a lot of safety precautions, but yeah, it's just kind of the two of us rocking right now. So as far as new releases that have come out, Universal has a new horror collection and wow, it is the dregs at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what else do they even have? Uh, let me tell you, they're putting <laughs> out Night Key, Night Monster, The Climax, House Ooh. of Horrors, all films I have never heard about before. <laughs> I know. It's funny. Like the very first one, we like had those really big, I think Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff films. Mm-hmm on it and like we sold so many copies of it and then the second one sold still pretty well but a little bit less and then the third one didn't sell like much at all <laughs> and now the fourth one i mean obviously not many people are buying right now but we i don't think we've sold a single copy of this right now yikes i mean maybe there's some gems in there that we've never heard of yeah you know it's possible it's possible <laughs> i mean the, the sets are really nice looking i will say that yeah i mean for the collector that likes them all lined up on the shelf, they all look really nice, I guess. Yeah, the guy who bought the third one is like, I guess I have to buy the fourth <laughs> one as well. Well, well Show Factory's just going to keep releasing these things just for those few people that have to buy every single one. It's like, you got to buy the next collector. I've got to say, trapped at home, I've gone through a mania where I have these two shelves beside a chair in my office, and I took out all the bl- Blu-rays and DVDs, and I'm starting to organize them by label. <laughs> Oh, wow. Because I'm like, this will look nice. All my arrows, all my vinegar syndrome. I've been doing a deep cleanse of being like, okay, I need to watch this movie or I get rid of it. Because why do I have it? Because most (laughs) of them, I haven't watched it because I know I go, oh, I know what that's going to be like. So I'm not going to watch this now. (laughs) Like I own all the Blood Rain movies, the Uvi Bowl uh, films. I mean, the first Blood Rain is is a very good time, I would say. Oh, I love Blood Rain, number one. And Blood Blood Rain 2, I could not find anywhere to watch it until I found it used on DVD. But now I've watched it and it's awful. We used to have a rental of that at the store, actually, and we sold it off because nobody rented it. Oh, did you sell it? To me, you might you might have been the one that bought it. Honestly, I have Blood Rain <laughs> two, and I also have Blood Rain three. Wow. But I dislike Blood Rain two enough that I went, I don't need to watch part three, <laughs> and I put it on my get rid wow, of. Wow, you're not the UA Bowl completist. I thought you were. Jeez, no, I was a Rennie Harlan completist too. But wow. I looked at my copy of uh, Cleaner 
Skip Trace and oh what is the one where it's like the Coven? Oh, the Covenant. Yeah, the Covenant. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make some shell space. I will never, ever put this in a DVD player ever again. <laughs> I actually tried to watch The Covenant about half a year or so ago because it's on Netflix and it was just one of those things. I'm like, you know what? Ready, Harlan. I'm going to give this a go. I think I lasted like 20 minutes and I'm like... I don't even think I can finish this. Sorry, Rennie. It's like a big budget uh, David Dakota film. It's like <laughs> yeah. hot guy just it hanging is. out at a school. They take their shirts off a lot. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. But it's so boring from what I remember. Uh, it's at least. so boring. I remember it has like a Dragon Ball Z style ending, which yeah, is kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. And I think that what was noticeable about that one is it's written by the guy who, ugh. The name's going to be on the tip of my tongue. He did the Forsaken. J.S. Cardone, right? It is J.S. Cardone because he also did um, the Slayer right. and Shadow yeah. Zone. But now he just like does because I think he wrote the Prom Night remake too, and I want to say the Stepfather remake. He's in a lot of these. He's doing a lot of these like trashy B level like teen scream kind of movies nowadays but he must be pretty old because you like so right because he was making movies in the like uh i guess mid early 80s because the slayer yeah. is like early 80s yeah well you know i'm glad he had a second life and uh, he must <laughs> yeah. be very charming that he gets to make all these movies i'm sure you know the, the, the prom night remake was really stupid but kind of funny i guess i heard that house on sorority row the remake is like weirdly violent i think it's just called sorority row it is yeah i saw that when it came out uh don't remember much about it other than the fact that uh Andrina Patridge Partridge who was like a big star on MTV's The Hills at that time was like in it for like a brief <laughs> second that's literally all I remember oh and then Carrie Fisher plays the uh the sorority mom I think the dead mom you know what I have that one on blu-ray laying around <laughs> somewhere and I've never watched it so it's going in my pile I currently have two and a half piles that go up to like my neck of DVDs and Blu-rays. And I'm like, I got to watch yeah. these or I get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Cannibal Apocalypse not being released by Arrow, not being released by Severin or Synapse or even Screen no. Factory being released by Kino. Yeah, Kino Lorber Studio Classics getting into the Italian 80s trash realm mm -hmm. a little bit, I guess. I haven't seen this Because they see that's where the money is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cannibal Apocalypse is actually a really fun one. It's kind of like a zombie film where it's like if you get bit by a cannibal in the city, like you get infected and then everybody gets infected. So it's really different than the kind of like jungle based ones that came out around this time. It's more yeah. in line of something like Umberto Lenzi's uh, Nightmare City, which is like a zombie cool, cool. movie. I mean, I love John Saxon and, you know, oh, I love John Saxon. And this one is directed by Antonio Margaretti, who is uh, better than a lot of people like Umberto Lenzi and stuff like that. I know, controversial opinion that I'm no, sharing. No, I, I like him. I'm pretty sure uh, that name is like, I'm blanking on what he has actually made. Before, uh, he did uh, a bunch of like gothic films. He did Nightmare Castle. Yeah, he Nightmare did, Castle. Uh, yeah, that, that one's good. He yeah. did a bunch of uh, Vietnam kind of splatter films like uh, right. The Last Warrior or something like that. Um, right. I don't remember the other titles. Like Deer Hunter ripoffs, I guess, right. is what they were. <laughs> and we also have City of the Vampires from 1993. And what? This is our blind it's buy. Did you watch it? Buy. I did watch it, of course. I don't, I don't, you know, fail my duties just because there's an apocalypse going on. <laughs> well, we didn't did know you? if we were going to record this. I, I know. I completely forgot until I looked at it today and I was like, well, gotta watch it. Yeah, I only watched it last night, so it's cool. <laughs>
So, Mark, uh, are you familiar with the cinema of Mr. Ron Bonk? <laughs> Not not at all. This is the first Ron Bonk film I've seen. I have to say I love his name. I'm a big fan oh, of the what name a great Ron name. Bonk. I love saying it. I'm going to say it a bunch more times over the course of this podcast probably. What is his full name? Is it like Ronald Bonkenstein or something like that? Bonkenstein? Bonkers? Ronald Bonkers. Ronald <laughs> uh, Bonkers. That's even better. Yeah, that's even less crazy. Um, yeah, if his Ron- last name was Bonkers, they'd have to call him Ronald Bonkers. You couldn't just be Ron Bonkers. That'd be weird. <laughs> Ronaldo, maybe it's Ronaldo Bonkers. Ronaldo so, is the is the lead actor in this his a relative of his or not? I, I saw no. some like the, I saw some other bonks in the in the cast and crews. Oh, so I don't, know. Uh, don't you recognize the lead actor? I think it's Matthew Jason Walsh, who's also the star of Kingdom of the Vampires, a oh, J.R. Bookwalter joint. I did not know that. I mean, I recognized his uh, hilarious hair from like a bunch of like bad eighties movies. He now writes ninety percent of David Dakota's films. No way. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's right. Uh, I really like him in Kingdom of the Vampires, where he is super whiny and has like a like metal mullet. In this okay. one, he's whiny but just kind of boring. I felt. What did you think of this film, Marty of the Vampires? Um, you know what? I've seen so many of these kind of like regional horror movies like this now like shot at, i guess it was shot on video i mean it seemed like yeah it this shot, definitely shot on video shot on video i love how they have like a film look version and a non-film look version on the dvd Whoa, is there special features on this dvd i don't i haven't yeah, seen there it is a commentary um and there are two versions of the film one they say is a the re- original release version and then a film look version which i don't know i i huh. looked at both one Did- looks like kind of more washed out than the other one but they both look like like video so i don't understand what this film look thing is but um i don't know man i mean it was definitely boring for a lot of it like oh so boring nobody said anything for like half an hour into the movie it's just like silent guy i do like that i do like silent guy walking around remind me of like a barry j gillis joint for a little while just because we you know we watched wicked world a little kind of recently and some of the style of it seems sort of like wicked world it's just so boring. Like clearly, it's a like a ripoff of Night of the Living Dead, and I think he said that. Maybe, but it's like with vampires. Um, I mean, the problem is, is that there's no perspective exactly on like what's going on. Yeah, yeah. like who, yeah, you start off with these like random news reports, right? About like what's happening in this city. Everybody's disappearing, which is kind of like a Barry J. Gillis thing to do. And then yeah, you just get into this guy with like the worst sort of like ponytail mullet thing going, just wandering around looking for his sister or wait is his sister or his girlfriend i can't even remember girlfriend, girlfriend who has yeah. been like taken by the vampire clan or whatever i don't know i like honestly it was like heart i was zoning out a lot through most of it but yeah ron bonk is not one of the like great shot on video yeah, filmmakers yeah i mean i know you're not a fan of his his house shark which is more recent all 110 minutes of it holy shit that is way too long. at least this one has the sh- charm of like shot on video and like that static camera and the angles that aren't quite right yeah 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 and i love and the muffled sound where like honestly half of the dialogue i could i couldn't even hear <laughs> and i was like should i rewind it uh it doesn't really matter <laughs> like, i mean it, it picks up at the end where there's like the great battle in a movie theater in that like empty like rep theater that which was like they could have done i feel like he was trying to go for a messiah of evil kind of like situation there but he didn't have like the amount of cast or like 
crew to like pull something like that off and someone shows up with a uh, one of those super soaker things oh that they start God. spraying the vampires with did you ever have those i would look at the commercials all the time i never had super soakers i had friends that had super soakers and i was i was really jealous but my parents only bought me like the cheap like dollar store sort of like uh, water gun thing so i never had like those actual super soaker with the pack i think it, i had no i never had the pack one. i had like the yellow one with the uh green barrel yeah which is like the basic model okay you see those commercials where it'd be like five thousand pounds of water I pressure <laughs> i love that she uses it in this though i guess it's filled with like holy water or something i don't know maybe i she, guess so maybe yeah she had that and i missed it like because i couldn't hear any of the dialogue but uh, mm. she was funny though i thought like all of her line readings were hilariously like deadpan and like a bad actor kind of way um she yeah was, you she just was probably it my needs more part. of that yeah i know um but yeah i agree it's it's hard because i can't say i there's always something for me i can't totally hate on a movie like this because i love that just like go for brokenness of just making a movie and especially the video-ness of it lends like a charm to me more so than like stuff I assume like House Sharks a little slicker, not like better slicker, but just like it's higher quality video. And that doesn't resonate with me as much. Something about that lo-fi video really works for me. So even though I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, I, I don't know. It was intermittently entertaining, I guess, at times. I mean, there's so many other shot on video films I would recommend over this one. So like as far as a blind buy go, this has to give I have to give it thumbs down. Yeah, I, I would agree. It, like it's totally the kind of movie I would blind buy because I blind buy SOB stuff. Oh, guarantee. I'm like it's one of those like Intervision type titles. And I and I used to religiously buy like every Intervision title, every like SOV thing mm. that came out. But you're right. There's so many of them now. And I feel like Sub Rosa is kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel of even that world, if there is one. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Well, Ron, Ron Bonk actually runs Sub Rosa Entertainment. Does he really? Okay, well, that would explain yeah, it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> okay. And uh, I don't think this one has ever officially been on DVD either. Yeah, not, so, I did like, a little bit of research after. I couldn't find anything. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. You're, you're right. I would say there's a lot more sov stuff that i would recommend over this um so i mean i would recommend um matthew jason walsh's and jr bookwalter's kingdom of the vampires over this one yeah which is a lot more fun which is about a young whiny kid who lives with his vampire mom and he just wants to get out of here mom yeah <laughs> and yeah that one's a lot of fun or there's one called vampires and other stereotypes which is super fun nice. and it's like a crazy like apocalyptic multiple dimensions and there's like demon cops nice. but that one i don't believe is on dvd yet so well you know to you that, know I mean, kingdom I, of the vampires is i do appreciate srs putting out a lot of this stuff like mm. i i know they put out some tim ritter stuff before which i which i like um and they and honestly on this disc because i actually didn't watch the disc that was released they have like 15 trailers before it starts of like other movies Wild. I guess they're putting out but they're all like 30 second trailers and they're all the same kind of like mid to late 90s sov stuff that's probably all like total shit but like I admire that commitment to unearthing this stuff and putting it out. <laughs> and you know what? Like the packaging, they, they put a nice package together. So 
I can't hate too much on it, but no, I'd probably say thumbs down. Sorry, Ronald Bonker. Sorry, Ron. <laughs> Ronnie. Uh, we have Clay Pigeon from 1971. This is, I think, a, not a TV movie, but directed by a TV uh, movie director. It is. Yeah, it was a theatrical release. Um, I'm trying to look it up right now, actually, since I have IMDb at my fingertips. Yeah, 1971. It's got, it seems like one of those kind of movies that would have been a bigger deal than it actually is, but it doesn't seem like many people have actually seen this. Yeah, it's directed by Lane Slate and Tom, Tom Stern. Yeah, Tom Stern is an actor, and this is his only directorial effort. It looks like a Telly Savalas. Um, well, look at this cast. Robert Vaughn, Burgess Meredith. Yeah, the cover the looks really nice. Like, it looks like almost like a Kino Lorber kind of release, the way they've like at least put the packaging together. But then you turn it over, and it's like, no extras. I think it's a full screen transfer too. So I don't think, I don't think MVD has done anything with it. Cause we actually had a few people pre-order it. So I guess some people know about it, but they came in and they actually declined. Cause they're like, I think this is full screen. So sorry, MVD. I don't mean to crap on your releases, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Steve, it's DVD only too. So they didn't do a blue. Uh, we also have uh, 1984's Raw Courage coming out from Scorpion. Yeah. Raw Courage. Courage, almost, not Courage. I almost picked this one actually before City of the Vampire. It sounds uh, pretty fun where it's like a bunch of marathon runners are taken hostage in the desert. Yeah, I think. Like they're practicing for a desert race. And then there's just like a bunch of like militant you know i guess gun lover american gun lovers that decide to kidnap them and then let them loose and hunt them or something yeah it's like a right-wing militia but like the cast like i mean art hindle in there i mean who doesn't like art hindle <laughs> a young art hindle roddy cock mm at walsh yeah lois childs is in there i mean i don't know i mean I think Robert Rosen, the director, did some bigger films than this. Well, he produced them. He produced the Leslie Nielsen classic, Wrongfully Accused. Yeah, of and Mr. Magoo <laughs> and Spy Hard. And right before that, The Crow. And The Crow. <laughs> Man's got taste. Man's got taste. Whoa. He also produced a film called Going Ape that stars Tony Danza and Danny DeVito. Wow. And on the cover, it's them with a bunch of monkeys. <laughs> I was gonna. I was wondering, is that like a literal going ape? I guess it is. Oh, it's when a father who owns a circus dies, his uh, fosters inherit five million dollars and three orangutans. <laughs> of course, if they give away the orangutans, they don't get the money. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds like a winner to me. Man of many talents here, Mr. Robert Rosen. Um, <laughs> I, I guess this is one of the only films he actually directed. I don't know. It's it's a typical like Scorpion release, you know, one of those '80s thrillers that nobody really remembers. I think IMDb even has it under just the title Courage. So much uh, more boring. Yeah, <laughs> they wanted to um, maximize the name title of Raw Force that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Raw deal. Raw deal. That's what I'm thinking of. No, Raw Force is that zombie vinegar exactly, syndrome film. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was, like I said, I was going to maybe pick this one. And then I looked it up and I was like, I feel like I've seen so many movies like this, though, too, with this kind of plot that I kind of felt like I know exactly what it's going to be. But I don't know. With a cast like that, could be a good time. And so we also have Gappa, the Trifibian monster from, I'm shocked to see this name, Media Blasters. Yeah, they're a weird company. We thought they were like done, bankrupt or whatever. Like we just thought like their stuff was out of print. They kept taking their stuff out of print for a while. But every once in a while, they release something new. So 
I don't know. I feel like you probably know more about this film than I do. Uh, it's not a very good Keiju film that came out in a year where every studio made a Keiju film. So this is from Nikatsu Studios, who are known for like their noirs that they did. Uh, and this one, the Trifibian monster, it's, you've probably seen them. They're like beaked monsters with a little egg on the top yeah, the and it's like bald around. <laughs> Not the most um, appealing looking of the giant monsters. They only ever made this movie and never had any follow-ups. <laughs> so what, you're saying these monsters are not scary or something? <laughs> They're not cool looking, not cool? Okay. Mark. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Not like a Godzilla or <laughs> yeah. a, I don't know, Mac from Mac and Me. I wonder if the people, because we actually have sold a bunch of these. Like we had a bunch of pre-orders for this. I wonder if people know about this or they just love their kaiju movies so much that they'll just buy anything because kaiju stuff does well for us no matter what it is i think they just buy whatever kaiju stuff comes out like it doesn't really matter yeah but also yeah media blasters doesn't do much in the way of special features i don't know what even the transfers like i don't think it's like a remaster or anything it is on blu-ray but i I don't know what the quality is necessarily so as far as classic films go finally bamboozled is out on blu-ray from criterion this has been out of print forever it's more of a wave of fans lately i think ever since black klansman came out for some reason this is the one that people i guess missed when it came out and now really want to see um, I love this film. I always loved it. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, it was the start of sort of like that digital video era where like big filmmakers were starting to use digital video, but like kind of like shoddier looking digital video. But I still think it works really well for what he's doing. I mean, it's like a media satire and I just think it's just so fresh and funny. And honestly, in today's world, more relevant than ever, like a lot of Spike Lee movies, I guess. I mean, I can't imagine they have a high definition transfer of this considering it probably wasn't 1080p. Yeah, (laughs) probably not. I mean, I just watched it on DVD back in the day. And I mean, even on DVD, it doesn't look good at all. So, yeah, I don't know what they've done to it, but there's tons of special features. I mean, yeah, obviously Criterion's given it the royal treatment. Um, and, yeah, the fact that it's been out of print so long means it has built up a, a group of fans that just have started to come around to it now and really want to buy it. So I would highly recommend it. The performances are great. And, I mean, yeah, it stars um, Damon Wayans. Yeah, it stars Damon Wayans. And he is – like I've never been like – I mean, I like Damon Wayans. I've always thought he was funny. But, like, he – I never really thought of him as a dramatic actor. But he nailed his performance. Well, he's giving a really big performance in this as Damn well. Yeah, the whole cast is great. It's a great movie. Yeah. So we also have The Stalking Moon from Warner Archive. This is from – I mean, I don't want to say no one's favorite director, but Robert Mulligan, the guy who did To Kill a Mockingbird. (laughs) But this movie is awesome. It's about like um, someone like stalking a woman in it's it's a Western, but it's a horror Western. Really, It's a horror Western. Okay. Yeah. You didn't know this? I don't know. I mean, you you know my uh, my track record with Western. This is a film that inspired Dario Argento a lot. He claims when he started doing his Giallo, The Stalking Moon was one of his big um like reference points oh very interesting and we also have a whole bunch of women filmmaker box sets two Elise Guy Blanchet ones from Kino and also The Intrigue uh which is plus films of Julia Crawford Hiver who was a screenwriter yeah these look really interesting um I confess I don't know much about silent film in general unfortunately and I'm still kind of like new to a lot of it um yeah, I know. What? Wait, what are you talking about? I mean, I've seen a lot of silent film. I'm just not an aficionado of silent film, but I love. You're I like love what boring. I've seen. No, not, not even like that at all. I really like a lot of it. Um, 
but yeah, I confess that especially with some of the female filmmakers that were working in the silent area era really prolifically, I just haven't seen enough of them. Um, but I know for a long time, a lot of them weren't even really available. So it's nice that Kino is putting out these packages. Yeah, especially just focusing on filmmakers like they did. There was those like early pioneers of um, women cinema. But these are just dedicated yeah. to creative individuals, which I really like. It's weird that they put out volume one and two on the same day, but someone's going to buy them. They're going to buy both. Yeah, I guess that's what they kind of figure. But yeah, and it's nice that I, cause I think the pioneer set did have a lot of Alice Ski Blache stuff on it, but this is all stuff that was not on that set. So it's not like you'd be double dipping or anything. And if it's Kino, they've definitely been remastered. They didn't just like throw some dupey prints on there. Some that may have probably never been available. Oh, absolutely. And with the intrigue, I was just reading about it. Like that sounds like a really fascinating film too. It's kind of like a, a thriller from that time about like world powers fighting over like a death ray or something. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm gonna, definitely gonna have to check those out. Uh, we also have force 10 from Navarone. Uh, this is an Alistair McLean adaptation, an author that I have never read a single one of his books, but I'm sure like grandfathers everywhere have all of his novels. Yeah. He's a grandfather classic right there. Um, I feel like this was maybe the biggest film based on one of his uh, books. Not guns of Navarone. Yeah, no, true. Clearly I know a lot about Alistair McLean. McLean, so directed by Guy Hamilton, the person I guess he's mostly famous for. I think he did some Agatha Christie adaptations and James Bond, of course. Yeah, I know mostly know that name mostly from James Bond movies. Um, but yeah, I didn't really realize he did much. Uh, yeah, because he did like a lot of the big ones too, right? Like Goldfinger. Well, yeah. I mean, this is definitely a grandpa dad movie. Force 10 from Navarro. Really remastered, but, you know, and I, I don't think they put a bunch of special features on it, though. I think there's just like... Uh, the people buying it don't need any special features. They just need that manly sweat in your yeah, face. Young Harrison Ford, brute force, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also have a pure formality. Ooh, I was getting worried because Gerard Depardieu is in this one. I know, Depardieu, watch. <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, what is it? A Depardieu deep dive? What can we call yeah, it? Yeah, the Depardieu. I, I mean, they've got to be running out of titles, yeah. right, at this point. There's no way that, like, there's many more. Have you seen how many movies Gerard Depardieu has made? <laughs> <laughs> I think if Kino can find more, they will they will put out more. <laughs> and this one, Mark had originally picked as his blind buy, and I said, sure, no problem. And then I looked at it on Letterboxd, and I was like, oh, wait, I've seen this. Yeah. I mean, I picked it mostly because of the particularly problematic duo of Depardieu and Roman Polanski, and just a pure acting. I, th- I think it's a two-hander, too, because it mostly takes place in right, one yeah. room. Yeah, so, like, have you – do you remember much about it? or did I it just did. When I read my it? review, I remember – if there's two people and in the review, I'm like, once you figure out what the twist is, you got it. Like you got the whole movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and this one is, I think Depardieu is being interviewed by Roman Polanski um, about a murder that's happened nearby. And it's directed by the guy who did cinema Paradiso. Yeah, Giuseppe Tornatore, right? He, uh, he's done a lot of big films and I had no idea. I had never heard of this movie before. Uh, Kino announced it, um, which was shocking to me because with that kind of cast, with that kind of director, you'd think this would be like some sort of big art house hit, but it doesn't seem like it really became that. I think that I watched it probably because I read about it in something like DVD Delirium. I don't know if you've ever seen those books. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
there and I have all of them. And sometimes like the author who gave a very good review to Impossible Horror on his uh, DVD website will like really praise a film I've never heard about. So I'll, like write it down and go check it out. And this was probably one of them. If you tell me something is a two hander, that always makes me kind of excited. Right, right. <laughs> no, I like two hander. And this too. is like a De Palma light kind of thing. There's like wacky camera angles and shit like that. Cool. No, I definitely want to check it out. I'm very, very intrigued. And with like somebody like Polanski, who is obviously a terrible, terrible human being. Um, mm-hmm. I always did think his acting performances were kind of strange and interesting. Like I, I did always like him in the tenant. I thought he was like really funny and or weird. Or in uh, dance of the vampires. Fear oh, of vampire yeah, Killers. Exactly. Right. Like he's got a weird energy. Um, so I don't know if he, I mean, you can attest to that or if he brings that to this role at all or not. Or your favorite rush hour three. Welcome to Paris. <laughs> Which I have still never seen. I've seen, that clip of him in like the trailer, but I've still never seen it. It was in every trailer. I know, I know. (laughs) Isn't it wild that there was a time where it was like, oh yeah, you can put Roman Polanski in all these trailers, no problem. Just over a decade ago too, right? Where's Britt Ratner these days? Speaking of the director of Fresh Hour 3, I mean, he was canceled real bad. Hiding out somewhere. Um, I mean, I think I I remember looking him up on Instagram once and he still has a very like active Instagram account where he posts like set photos from back in the day and like photos of him hanging with celebrities and everything. But in terms of like what he's doing work wise, because I mean, Warner Brothers canceled that uh, deal they had with his like production company. Right. So I don't think any studio is like work willing to work with him anymore. So unless he has like a renaissance of some sort of like indie filmmaker or producer. Uh, we also have cheerier movies because we're moving to the new section. No, 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 no. <laughs> so my good friend, Terry Malick, uh, <laughs> who's been on fire lately, yeah. he he made a film, A Hidden Life which seems to have come out, played a few film festivals, and then disappeared completely. Yeah, but people really like this one from what I heard. I, I didn't see it because I honestly can't stand Terrence Malick. I'm like so over I don't him. think I've seen a Terry Malick film since I, I didn't even see the one he did with Sean Penn. A Tree of Life. And I haven't seen any since that. Yeah, didn't even see that Tree one. Tree of Life was the last one of his I saw, and I did not like it at all. I know like everybody loves that. It was nominated for Best Picture. I really did not like that movie. I don't know. I just came out of theater being like, people like this? Like, I'm, not... I'm surprised. I would have I would have pegged you as a Malik bro. I, mean, I do like some of his early stuff. Like, I like the Thin Red Line a lot. And I, I liked, um, kind of like, I liked Badlands when I was a teenager, although I haven't revisited any time recently. But even like Days of Heaven, I was never a huge fan of. Um, and I don't know. I just find his stuff like, well, one thing I really hate about his stuff is I can't stand like childlike narration or like soft narration. And I feel like all of okay, well, have that. And what else do you hate? I hate kind of like <laughs> wide angle yeah. following people through, yeah, exactly. through things. Well, that was the big thing for me with Tree of Life too, that really like was kind of like the final nail in the coffin for Terry Malick was like the Sean Penn stuff I just thought was so ridiculous the way they film him. He's just like wandering the streets. First of all, I don't even understand what it has to do with the movie at all. Cause most of it's about Brad Pitt and Jessica Chastain. But then there's like a seat at the end where he's on this like ethereal beach. It's like some sort of weird dream sequence. And there's like literally a doorway. There's like a doorway on the, on the beach that he literally just opens and he just walks through the door. And it's like, Played for like this big moment out of nowhere. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> you were in the theater. You're like, boo. Yeah, no, even I was. I was just like, you know, going with it. All right, fine. But as soon as it ended, I remember some guy behind me was like, "Well, thank God that one's over." <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know what? For that guy, I'm sure he probably liked our next movie, which is directed by another hero of ours, Ewood. Oh, it's God. Richard Jewell. <laughs> did, did anyone? I mean, this movie was kind of popular among the boomer crowd, I think, right? Yeah, tell him. <laughs> All As most fake... of, you know, Mr. Eastwood films are. But you know what? I'm a fan of Paul Walter Hauser, who was great in oh, I, okay. Tanya. Um Yeah, he's the is he, he's the lead guy, right? Yeah, he's Richard Jewell, yeah. I'm sure he's good in this. Um... Well, so for people that don't know Richard Jewell, is about the story of the guy that stopped a bombing during the Olympics. Yeah, it was the uh, Atlanta Olympics, I think, in the 90s. And then they, for a while, they tried to accuse him of maybe he did it. And from people that love this movie... And like, you know, there's like all these like Clint Eastwood diehards who are kind of like obsessed with the fact that he's like this old and he's making these kind of movies, which I can understand why, where they're coming from. He's got work ethic for sure. (laughs) But man, Clint Eastwood's films are so ugly looking. I know. Well, the guy cranks them out like one a year and it's like. Did you you see the Paris one? That film is amazing in its dullness. Yeah, I did not. I don't think I've actually seen a Clint Eastwood movie since hereafter i want to say that like matt damon one where i he can't can, believe like, you want to go see that movie i know i got a advanced pass for it i remember and yeah that was pretty terrible so uh the whatever 1017 to paris one it is stacked with comedians who right. do not get to give comedic performance it's like clint eastwood's the informant yeah, I know. what is with his choices i always heard though he was very like for people that worked with him because he makes these movies like one a year almost he's got a very like workmanlike ethic it's like his sets are like nine to five kind of sets you show up the shot list is like it's very workmanlike and you can really see that in the films because they just feel like they don't have any life to them but i i remember some of his early so like i was a big fan of play misty for me or like some of his early stuff that actually felt like more like there was more passion behind it i guess but even something like Gran Torino, which is like a terribly hilariously bad movie, still has like a passion to it that I feel like even his newer movies don't. So I'm fascinated about why he feels the need to keep making movies. I guess just to give him a reason to get out of bed. I guess so. Like, what else does he have to say, though, about anything? Yeah. Like, uh, I, don't I don't know. know. I, mean, I just be- hope they get I more think- and more right wing as they go along. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, I hear he just I think he just has an office set up at Warner Brothers and it's just like every year it's like the Clint Eastwood movies coming out. All right, Clint, what do you want to make this year? And he's just got to like pick between whatever projects they've got. So the fact that 1017 to Paris, he cast all of the real people in the main roles. Yeah, that's a choice that he's that making. An interesting choice. I thought that was interesting when I first heard about that. And then I just heard the movie was terrible. It is so. like like David Dakota, like nothing happens <laughs> wow. in it. It, it is kind of amazing. You're making me want to see it now. <laughs> I'm shocked you have it. It is an object. Okay, okay. I'm going to put that on the to watch list. I am actually going to do that. I feel like I'm more interested in seeing that now than Richard Jewell. <laughs> so I saw the next one we're going to talk about, Black Christmas, uh, the remake, which is probably most known for the awful vitriol behind it. Yeah, well, I remember – I mean, I have to confess. I, I didn't see this, so I, I can't really weigh in. I – I can't say I was all that excited for it, um, but I do think it was great that they uh, obviously got a female direct writer director team to do it. I just don't know why it was cut down to PG thirteen at the last minute, um, which I think I know a lot of people had problems with. I mean, not that I don't think PG thirteen horror can be scary or whatever, but like with slasher movies, it just feels like an odd choice when it was supposed to be like R rated, and then at the last second they do it, they make it to PG thirteen just to get a wider audience maybe or, or something like that are they releasing an unrated version on blu-ray it's just what it was 
So it's a pretty bare bones release from Universal. That's yeah. weird because because I'm surprised that, they're not doing. I mean, this one was supposedly like rushed yeah. really fast to theaters too. And okay. I, it's fun. It's fine. It takes a crazy supernatural okay. twist in the last 15 minutes. I don't think it succeeds in what it's trying to do, but the hate for it, it was so gross. For Black Christmas? I know, like, really? The people that are making this, like the director, Sophia Takal, like like, she's passionate about this stuff. She's not some hack, like, that directed, like, sorority, you know, yeah. house or prom night remakes and shit like that. No, she made a really cool indie movie called Always Shine, which I really liked. I, like, at first... I, I was really looking forward to seeing it because of that. Um, because, yeah, Always Shine, like, if you haven't seen it, it's just kind of like an almost millennial persona, I want to say, something like that. And it's really well done. Uh, it's got a great performance from uh, Mackenzie Davis in the lead. So I was really excited that this was kind of her follow-up. But then as it got closer, and then I did see a trailer, and it just didn't look all that good to me from a trailer. I really and, like Sophia Takal made one of those uh, feature films in that Blumhouse, like, Into the Dark, I think it's called, the oh, series. Okay. She did one called New Year, New You. So it's like feature length. It's like 90 minutes. Oh, cool. It's a movie. And it's really nice. good. No, I'll check that out for sure. I, I like her. I like her style. I just feel like, I mean, I don't know. You've seen it. Does it feel like... There is a style to it or just no it, there's definitely a style to it okay. a very conscious style as well okay and yeah i thought it was actually really fun the only thing that it's like it feels hobbled in its like final moments uh, okay. and it's like oh like it feels cut down or they just didn't have enough time to do what they wanted to do i mean blumhouse films though they're not really known for being gory none of them are yeah not really i guess yeah, I guess you're right. I guess they're mostly sort of like... The Happy Death Days were PG-13, weren't that's they? That's true. You know what? Happy Death Day is, is a rare case of a PG-13 slasher movie working, because I did like that one. And so we also have uh, Abigail being released by Wellgo. This is a Russian this is film, like a Russian which uh, has a... Yeah, like a steampunk movie or something? A very timely synopsis. A young girl lives in a city whose borders have been closed for many years Ooh. due to a disease epidemic. Oh my god. Wow. It like literally just came out this week? Crazy. While searching for her father, she learned she has magical abilities. <laughs> Wellgo is not like a, a boutique label. They're just... They just like kind of like Kino, they just put out whatever international films, yeah, you know, need a label to release them. And I think that's fine. I'm glad that these films have found a home exactly and they can find their way to streaming and physical media. Because yeah. even like five years ago, there was no one doing exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm all for Wellgo. Um, yeah. They and they get a lot of Russian stuff too. So I, I don't know <laughs> if that's something they actively go after or what. So we also have Another Mother's Son, which is a 2017 uh, World oh, no. War II film. I feel like we had one of these <laughs> last week too. Like one that was almost we exactly did have one. the same as this movie. And I can't even remember what it was called. You know what? Let's keep moving. Yeah, I you know what? I folks. think it was put out by Samuel Goldwyn yeah, as yeah, well. I think it was. I, I can't even remember the title anymore because there's so many of them. Uh, a Bluebird in my heart which is supposedly a neo-noir from france yeah. it's directed by an author yeah sounds cool it's another uh, one of the shutter titles that rlga are oh it is a shutter title yeah, okay it's not like a horror movie you're right it's kind of more a dramatic noir thriller um looks really interesting though yeah i read some reviews that played at south by southwest they say it's fine it's generic it has style to it so those stylish statements. we have my hindu friend which this looks hilarious and it's from the director of ironweed remember that jack nicholson film right Babenko, didn't he do uh, 
Did he not do Kiss of the Spider Woman too, or am I thinking of somebody different? Oh, maybe he did do Kiss of the Spider Woman. Oh no, you're no, I am thinking of the right person. <laughs> Sorry, I'm confusing all of our well, listeners. Well, he's here. a guy that like disappeared for years, and then this is his new film. Yeah, he did direct Kiss of the Spider Woman. Right. Yeah. No, I remember he had a movie at TIFF about like 15 years ago now, or something with like Gail Garcia Bernal that looked really interesting, but then never came out after. I never saw it. And yeah, this is his first movie since then, even though this th- even this one was like five years ago. It's like just coming out now. Yeah, 2015. I wonder what happened. I don't know. But it's got a, like a hilarious cover with just Willem Dafoe's head on the cover with like <laughs> shades. and like, Is he the Hindu friend? <laughs> like a skull cap on. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was trying to figure it out from the back, but it's a little bit unclear. So like, I, I think he might be the Hindu friend, but... And I, I mean, uh, this is being put out by Distribution Solution, which sounds like a stopgap company. Uh, I think it is. It's an MOD. So, and I don't know. I've never heard. Of, I love their name, though. Distribution Solution. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have Celebration, an Yves Saint Laurent documentary uh, from 2007. There was like an Yves Saint Laurent madness going on. I it feels know. like. And this one was supposed to be really good. It played a bunch of festivals back in 2007, but for whatever reason, never actually came out anywhere past that until right now. But this one's uh, unique because it's a really sort of fly on the wall sort of uh, portrait of him as he's mounting a show. Maybe one of his final shows or something. I don't don't know much about the fashion world, but uh, I think he was, it was like a big show he was doing and they kind of just got this intimate access. So it's apparently a real, if you're a fashion um, expert or if you're just like an Yves Saint Laurent fan or just a fan of like fly on the wall documentaries, this is like uh, really good. Uh, we also have Extraordinary, which is a supernatural comedy from Australia that Will Forte seems to be in. I, I assume he dies within the first 20 minutes. I mean, I love Will Forte. So I'm kind of curious to check it out just because of that. I'm, I, I just think he's like one of the funniest guys ever. So, but yeah, it's an Irish film oh is it irish oh because i just saw umbrella so i assumed it was australian yeah our our copy is from umbrella so it's an australian import um but it's like an all-region one again i think it's actually just it just i mean before theaters closed it actually just opened theatrically in in canada at least or at least in toronto um but i believe it's actually an irish yeah it's an irish film uh so it's about i guess will is like one of those like supernatural uh tv or no he's a washed up rock star or something i don't know who comes to ireland <laughs> to help these people or something yeah so it is an irish film that i guess they just got will forte to be in is will forte having some like financial difficulties or what's I mean, going on forte? forte is like making tons of money <laughs> Have you have you seen the show Last Man uh, Last Man on Earth? I mean, I, this is very yeah, apropos I watched, now. I actually only watched the first season um, because I'm bad with TV, and it just like I thought the first season was perfect. It was just like a perfect season of TV, and I thought he was like so hilarious in it. Um, yeah, I love that. I mean, he's so like he's such a loser on that <laughs> show. It's so pathetic. Tandy, what <laughs> it's called? Tandy. Yeah, Tandy. Wait, wait, what? Wait, what is his uh, first? Oh, no, his name is Phil. I think it's like Phil Miller. Because that's the name of Phil Lord and Chris Miller. But then, like a cooler Phil shows up, and he they call start calling him Tandy for some reason. I think. I yeah, because he loses a bet. He, he, he makes a yeah. bet that like he'll do more push ups or something like that. Than yeah. cool Phil. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I really loved that show. Uh, not enough to watch any of the other seasons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I just feel like a lot of TV it just goes on longer than it needs to, and I mean I can't speak to how where the show goes from there, but I did hear it kind of sags a bit in the second season. 
I just thought the first season, just as it was, like if you just take it as one season of television, just worked so perfectly for me. I didn't even feel a need to continue. There with were it. some really funny, r- funny running gags that I think that like in the pilots and the yeah, mostly in the um, in the first episodes of new seasons, it'd be like a famous person like Will Ferrell who would show up, but then oh, die yeah. instantly. And Jack Black gets shot in the head. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. So extraordinary and impossible monsters, which is a Gravitar's Ventures release. Yeah. Which is about like a dream. I, I just can't get excited about it. I know. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know. Like a, it seems like it's another one of these indie horror movies, which is supposed to be like kind of hallucinatory and I don't know, psychological and experimental, like with its style. But I don't know much about it, to be honest. Um, the plot sounds interesting. I hope people get confused and watch Impossible Horror instead. I know. Because I get pennies on every view. That's what we're banking on here. <laughs> so we also have Intrigo, Death of an Author, starring my, uh, Mark's favorite, Ben Kingsley. Love me some Ben Kingsley. I love him in A Sound of Thunder. That's one of my favorite films of Ben Kingsley. <laughs> really? The Peter Hyams film? Yeah. Just because he's so ridiculous. And this it. one's about an author plots the murder of his wife, but her body is never found. And he's convinced that she's still Ooh, alive. Yeah, this is really playing to like the Scandinavian sort of like noir boom that's going on because it is directed by the guy who made the original girl uh, with the dragon tattoo movies or like two of them. I don't think he did all of them. But... Yeah, the sequels. Okay, well, he did those. <laughs> so you're going to have to check this one out then. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like, you know, that kind of like, classy sort of like Scandinavian thriller because it takes place in the Netherlands, right? I believe um, it's in mm, English, but yeah. it takes place in the Netherlands. So that has like a literary kind of background to it as well. So it's a very popular era. So I will say. it is just because of Ben Kingsley. I'm I probably uh, people love Ben Kingsley. You know, they love Gandhi. They love Gandhi. I, I watched Gandhi a few years ago and someone was like, why? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I've never seen Gandhi, actually. So and, uh, and you never have to. Uh, we also have Superman Red Sun, the uh, uh, another in the long line of adapting kind of like semi-famous DC comics into cheap animated. Form. These do really well for us, but. I, you know, this is not my forte, but I don't know. Are these like true to the comics or something? Like, I I don't really know much about these. I watched a bunch when they came out originally when they were making them, but I haven't watched any in years. And this one is about what if Superman landed in Russia as a child? I'm sure it's fun. (laughs) Difficult to get excited for it again, but I could get excited for Jumanji, the next level. Cool. I mean, I haven't seen this, so I'm going to let I'm going to let you take the floor. You have it. If you had said that you had seen this one, I would have, I don't know, eaten my shoe. Werner Herzog style. Uh, I just can't get into these new Jumanji. You're not a big uh, Jake Kasdan fan as a director? You know what? I actually did like Jake Kasdan at first. Were you a big fan of the Bill Pullman uh, autistic private detective? I like that movie a lot. And then I guess he just became a hack because he did like Bad Teacher. He did these movies. Yeah, exactly. I just, I love the the original Jumanji so much because, you know, I was a kid and everybody loved it. Robin Williams and the board game. I just, the fact that it's like not even a board game anymore. And it's like, because it's a video game now. Right? I mean, this one's a lot of fun. I mean, I like The Rock. I like Jack Black. Uh, Kevin Hart's in it, right? And, uh... Yeah, Kevin Hart and Karen Gillan, who she's fun. So, I mean, if you like the first, this is a good like throw 
it on. It's inoffensive. You know, you probably go through your phone while watching it. I'm sure. You know what? Sometimes that's all you need. Though. A significant other in you, you can watch something that's not challenging at all. Exactly. Or family. This is a good like throw it on for a family movie. <laughs> we also have Uncage, aka Prey. You know what this is? This is a new Dick Moss joint. What Dick Moss? You know the guy who made Amsterdam and the lion that's going around. Yeah, the tiger that has escaped from a zoo, I think, and is like terrorizing the streets of i think it takes place in the netherlands but it seems sort of like wild beasts or something like a throwback to a movie like that but you know what i i haven't seen this yet but i i always am down for a dick moss joint so dick moss is the guy that like he's always so close to making a really fun movie but then he doesn't and it's really frustrating like i've seen like sint his killer santa claus movie i've seen both um like what is it das lift down yeah (laughs) i think down was the make with uh naomi watts and uh james uh james marshall from twin peaks fame <laughs> they have their moments but they're just not crazy enough for me which i find frustrating i would agree with you I, i'm not a crazy dick moss fan. I, I like his energy sometimes and i like his like naughty sense of humor like <laughs> un-pc his sense of humor sense sometimes of humor. <laughs> but yeah he's got almost that paul verhoeven-esque kind of like cheekiness yeah. to him i want to say but not um, quite enough not enough yeah he's not as good as like a paul verhoeven obviously there's a tiger chasing after people movie called burning bright from 2010 that people have been telling me to watch for a long time that i've never checked out where a lion is like it's like roar where it's like oh, a lion chasing okay. like i think a young woman around a house and like the lion is sold by meatloaf uh, <laughs> so uh yeah i think i would check that one out before because i remember i read some reviews for prey and they're like it's fine but it's not it's not like good enough it's funny too because like i guess dick moss never really became that big of a deal because it's not like you would never know this is a dick moss film by looking at the cover like first of all they changed the title so it's like if you look it up on imdb it's not even gonna come up under what it is and like it's got a generic like it just looks like some generic straight to dvd or vod movie um, like it doesn't even look like it's a foreign film. It just looks like some crappy straight to VOD movie. So they're clearly not pushing the, the Dick Moss name on it or anything. <laughs> they want to trick people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And finally, we have the one that everyone's been talking about this week, Verotica, directed by Glenn Danzig. Wow. Yeah. I'm shocked you didn't want to watch this, Mark. I, I just don't. It just doesn't look interesting to me. And I heard it was really bad. Yeah. I don't, and it's, you know, we've talked about horror anthologies, too, and just getting burnt out by them. And that's kind of how I felt with this. I just like a horror anthology has to look really intriguing for me nowadays to like take a take a jump on it. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm never, I, I'm not really a Danzig fan, so I mean, nah, me neither. He's really lame. I like how lame he is now. That's yeah. what makes me laugh. <laughs> I mean, this movie's been covered to death. Like the Flophouse podcast just did it this week. So uh, okay, yeah. I mean, there is a cult of fans. We actually, despite everything that's going out, we sold out of this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I only had like three copies, but we sold. All- so there you go i mean it's something okay so i'm surprised you didn't pick this one the last one on this list mark honestly two graves in the desert the only reason i didn't is because we didn't have it yet by the time i made my pick so i wasn't sure if it was going to come in yet because you could you would better believe that i would have picked this one wait have you watched it yet i mean this film stars michael madsen and william baldwin (laughs) together at last right what everybody has always wanted it's rocking a solid 2.9 out of 10 on imdb right now so uh, oh no i know um it is directed by i don't know some guy some guy with a french name i think it's his directorial (laughs) debut i think he's just done shorts before Uh yeah uh, this is like some really bad looking straight to VOD movie. So these two guys have like kidnapped a woman and her son. I, so believe. I guess they're like evil guys that have 
kidnapped these two people for some reason. I'm sure they give great performances. Of course. I mean, would you expect anything less from Michael Madsen or William Ball? This reminds me of, have you ever seen um, Eric Red's Cohen no, and No, I Tate? never have. Always been It has Roy Schneider and the fake Baldwin, Adam Baldwin. Yes, the, the crazy Baldwin now. I mean, Stephen Baldwin. And it's about like a 10-year-old that's like they capture a 10 year old and like the 10 year old starts to like psychologically like break them down yeah as he they're like taking him i think they're just kidnapping him that's a really fun one it was put out by shout factory i think it was yeah yeah they did a really nice release of it years ago oh no i just forgot that we actually have to recommend something oh shit <laughs> at All the end right. of the episode no it's fine you know what I'll, I'll give you some time i know what you can recommend and i know what i can recommend i'm gonna take cannibal apocalypse love it Super fun Italian exploitation film. I'm going to recommend Bamboozled. Looking over this list again, that's really the only film here that I actually like. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) out of the ones I have seen. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you haven't seen uh, Veronica yet. I have not. I'm sure that will be my new favorite after I've seen it. So, well, no, Two Graves in the Desert (laughs) will be my new favorite. Two Graves in the Desert. Are you going to watch it? Uh, Are you going to give us a grave update? I will will definitely get to it at some point. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I mean, I hope that we return uh, next week to be able to do an episode but who knows how things will have changed i mean this was pretty fun so i'm down to keep doing it like this if we can but yeah right now we are definitely on a like going day-to-day basis so yeah we it it will it remains to be seen but hopefully we can be back next week and if we are not and we have to close down for a bit then obviously we'll do some bonanza episode when we come back only the time only time will tell so you know i have to say my name is justin the clue and my name's mark hansen keep cleanly buying and cleanly (laughs) renting these movies and many more are available at your local video store